But the thing is, these opportunities can only be blessings if we embrace these opportunities put before us while we have the chance. Did we open the gift collectively as a society? (laughs) What I'm seeing and hearing, we did not. We took God's gift and threw it in the trash. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Wouldn't you say that as Christians, it's important that we support Christian businesses? 1133 Candles is one such business that is very much worth supporting, And not just because it's a Christian-run family business, but because of their high-quality products and their outstanding customer service. 1133 Candles is a family business that is founded on the words of Jesus in Luke 1133. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. This Christian family business specializes in high-quality Christian gift candles made with all-natural ingredients such as 100% soy wax, phthalate-free fragrances, and lead-free cotton wicks. Experience their delightfully aromatic scents such as lavender vanilla, maple pecan waffle, roses, frankincense and myrrh, cucumber sea salt, and much more. I actually ordered some of their soy wax melts recently, and I just love the delightful aroma that greets my nose when I walk into my house. And not only that, my order arrived promptly and everything came beautifully packaged. I could really tell that great care was taken in fulfilling my order. And you know, 1133 candles make great gifts too. And your purchase makes a difference because this Christian business gives back to local nonprofits. So order now at www.1133candles.com and receive 10% off your order. Just use the code LIGHT, that's L-I-G-H-T. Hi everyone, how are you today? Today, I want to talk about God's gifts. It may be a gift that you opened, and I pray you have, and I know that many individuals have. But when I look around our world today, I realize this gift was not opened. And this gift that God gave us, I'm talking about the gift of this coronavirus pandemic. I know you're thinking, what? (laughs) You've got to be kidding me, right? All the consequences of this pandemic and, of course, the life lost and the grief and the heartache for so many people, right? But God's ways are not our ways, right? And his thinking is, is so above ours. But I think if we're really in tune with God and his character and looking around us as believers, we should be able to see this gift that he gave us. 
And the timing of the gift really hit home with me because when everything just went full bore, and I mean when all the closures and everything happened, you know, schools and businesses were shut down and churches and all of these things, this pandemic, it happened right smack dab in the middle of Lent. When referring to this, I use the word uncanny, but I decided afterwards to look it up and the dictionary definition says seeming to have a supernatural character or origin, eerie, mysterious, being beyond what is normal or expected, suggesting superhuman or supernatural powers. I guess I didn't realize that the word uncanny had anything to do with supernatural powers. And as we know, our God is supernatural, right? So I guess you could say it's very uncanny that this pandemic happened smack dab in the middle of Lent. Because during Lent, as we know, Believers are called upon to reflect, repent, and and recognize God, right? To turn to God more. Many people fast or do without things. You know, they, they give up things that they enjoy or that they like. And they're encouraged to spend more time in God's word and prayer. We give thanks during the season of Lent, although we should give thanks every minute of every day, right? But we give thanks during this season and we recognize God's provision in our lives as we prepare to celebrate the ultimate sacrifice and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, not everyone recognizes Lent. Some forego the option of Lent because of a disbelief in God or others maybe just because life's distractions are simply allowed to get in the way. But yet, there we were, right? Stripped of many of life's distractions. Many things were taken away from us virtually overnight. Um, Sports, jobs, entertainment, casinos, school, church. They became unavailable to us. Although, you know, church carried on online, as did schools. But um, if you notice, these things that were taken away, many of them, Money, jobs, entertainments, sports, concerts, you know, public gatherings, going out to bars, right? Restaurants. But have you noticed that many of these things that were taken away are things that we tend to idolatrize, right? Sports, our careers, the economy, our bank accounts. Because a lot of people, hey, they lost their, their means of living. They lost their businesses because of this. But they became unavailable to us and our health and the health of those we love, which we often take for granted, but that was constantly under threat. It's always under threat, the truth of the matter is, but we tend to forget that or not think about it or maybe not even realize it, but it was threatened. And then even essentials like toilet paper and soap and hand sanitizer became this sought after commodity. So life virtually came to a halt in many respects. And the dictionary definition of the word halt is to bring or come to an abrupt stop, demand or order a stop. Is it possible that God had demanded or ordered that we come to a complete stop of what we were doing? Perhaps this COVID outbreak, its repercussions in the battle against it that are actually still ensuing. I mean, here it is. July 2021, we're not out of the woods yet. Yes, the vaccinations come out. Many people have become vaccinated. Many haven't. And now they're going on and on in the news about this new Delta variant. Um, 
and again, unfortunately, we don't know what's true or what's not anymore that comes off the news because of how much we've been lied to and the underlying agendas in other areas that have come to light, which is why we only seek for the truth in God's word, right? That's the only place where we're guaranteed to find truth. So many things had come to a halt, but let's talk about this gift, okay? Because here we had countless people, parents, <laughs> mainly were forced to stay home with their children because public and private school systems were shut down, daycare centers were closed. We had numerous families thrust together, holed up in their homes day after day, and you also had scores of families such as mine separated due to quarantines and self-isolation and social distancing. We had no idea when it was going to end and what the long-lasting repercussions would be, although here we are a year later, and we are seeing what those repercussions are. And, well, they're not good. But there is no doubt in my mind, especially look at, <laughs> look at where our world is at, right, fellow believers? Everything is upside down. Sweet is bitter, bitter is sweet. Good is called evil, and evil is called good. Everything just spun crazy out of control. And the world basically went to, as they say, hell in a handbasket, seemingly overnight, although it wasn't overnight, because this has been coming for a long, long time. And people have been trying to, to warn others, a few. Um, the churches, unfortunately, have not done a very good job of warning others and preparing believers. But um, no, this did not happen overnight. It was like, have you ever played Don't Spill the Beans with your kids? You know, that classic game, I played it when I was growing up. And there's this little pot or kettle, and there's these plastic dried beans. <laughs> and one by one, you, you, this pot's balanced on this, this thing. <laughs> um, but one by one, you put the bean on, and as you do, the, the pot tilts more and more with the load of the beans and how, depending on how the weight is distributed. But there comes a point in the game where, Someone puts on that final bean, and when it does, everything just spills. The pot tips, the beans spill out. And the pandemic, I think, was that final bean. Everything that had been in the works, and when I say everything that had been in the works, I am talking about the agenda to undermine God, the attack on God and his people, the affront to his image, and the attack on the world's most powerful and free nation, the nation founded on Judeo-Christian values, United States of America. Everything that was being put into place, well, we started to see the fruit of it almost overnight. I mean, so fast it would just make one's head spin. Don't you think God knew about this? He knew what was coming. He knew the pandemic was going to happen. He allowed it. He's seen deeds of darkness, the deeds of evil men, what they're doing to come up against him um, with the help, of course, of Satan, because the days are short. Time, history as we know it, is about to come to a close. There's no doubt in my mind about that. God knew what was coming, but God, in his mercy, loves us. God wishes for no one to perish, but for all to come to him, right? To have eternal life. And he also loves those who already do have eternal life. 
He wants us prepared. He wants us strong. And plus, we're his messengers. How can we be his messengers, though, if we're not prepared, right? But there's no doubt in my mind that God in his love and mercy was giving us an opportunity to be blessed mightily through this crisis known as the coronavirus pandemic. But the thing is, these opportunities can only be blessings if we embrace these opportunities put before us while we have the chance. Did we open the gift collectively as a society? (laughs) What I'm seeing and hearing, we did not. We took God's gift and threw it in the trash. Um, Many opened it. I pray that you did. I'm not saying not everyone opened that gift, but again, collectively as a society, you can see, talk about turning away from God more than ever since this pandemic. So I'd like to talk about what were a small few of these blessings and opportunities. Let's go back to the school closures. That's a big one that really sticks out in my mind. Many parents had all of a sudden all the time in the world with their children and vice versa. They possessed more precious time to love them, to hug them and to appreciate them, right? Because all of a sudden they began to become worried about their health and their well-being. But they had more time to love them, to hug them, and to teach them the love and forgiveness of God and to influence them for Christ. Because all of a sudden their children were in their possession and not the possession of the school's or the daycare centers and schools where public school system, right? Marxist indoctrination camps. We've known this for years. Um, I'm 57. My youngest is 19. My oldest is 32. We did not put them in public school. Okay. So 32 years ago, I knew what was going on in those schools and we refused to put our children there. And I'm glad that we never did put them there. We sacrificed a lot. What some people consider necessities were luxuries for us back then but I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. But here we are. Our children were within our grasp. And when, when the um, online learning was set up, parents got a window of view into what was being taught in their children's classrooms, and a lot of it not good. God gave parents an opportunity to see and hear what was being taught for themselves. They had time for them to be the major influence of their children not the school systems, not the daycare centers. Families had time to just spend time being and connecting, not doing. None of these distractions, no dance, no basketball, soccer, football, swimming, whatever their kids were involved in, some of them multiple activities. Rush them here, rush them there, drop them off here, pick them up from there. They had time to connect and be and do. God gave families precious time. God gave parents time to pray with them, to teach them how to trust in God, because I know many kids were fearful about this coronavirus, as were their parents. What a time to live out their faith and trust and hope in God, right? In God's power and his sovereignty and his love and his care. So many opportunities to teach them about God through this and to live out our Christian faith through this or to look to God through this, because all of a sudden all of our securities in the world are taken away, right? but to look to God instead of somewhere else for security, for hope, for safety. Many had more time and more reason than ever to reflect and pray about how we've been living our lives and our relationship with God and our relationship with others. God gave us, many of us, not all of us, I'm not saying the scenario played out the same way for everybody, but God works in many different scenarios, okay? He's not constrained 
to just one way. But there were many, many, many families who were given the precious gift of time. Yes, maybe they had to sacrifice for it with money and other areas, but they were given the gift of time. Why? Because God knew what lay ahead and what was just around the corner. And God wants to prepare his people. Again, he doesn't want anyone to be lost. But what about his people who are saved? He wanted to prepare you and I, his people, for what lay ahead to strengthen us, strengthen our faith, our relationship with him, and that of our children, to point them to him so they can be strong and equipped, right, empowered. For if these families quarantined and self-isolating together, more opportunities for closeness to one another, to God, to practice patience and forgiveness, and to give thanks in spite of our circumstances, right? To always give thanks. Did we do that? Did you do that? Did you end up with a new appreciation for your family or for others? Did you take the opportunity to appreciate all the things that you've foolishly taken for granted and give thanks and praise to the one who's blessed us with those things? We all came to a realization of the fragility of life, our mortality, and our lack of control because we live under this delusion that somehow we are in control. We're not. We're not. But the realization of our lack of control and our fragility, the fragility of life, that is something that should push us to seek God all the more. And for some, for many, it pushed them to seek God for the very first time. What a gift, right? Okay, what about the church? For the church, this this was our time to shine, to be bold, We have been given an enormous opportunity to give those who are anxious and fearful the reason for our hope, which is in Jesus Christ. Let's face it, times like these are perfect for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Talk about open doors. God flung those doors wide open. Did we walk through those doors? Hmm? Again, I'm afraid that not really. Many churches did, but many did not. And they're still not talking about the culturally relevant things, the things that are really attacking our faith right now and our God. They're not talking about the end times, which I believe are so important. We have to be equipped for the time we're living in. So if believers weren't equipped, well, they're not going to go out and shine, are they, in a time like this? I think the church really has dropped the ball in a lot of ways. But for those who haven't, I thank God for you. Those of you as believers or churches, thank you for taking this opportunity and seizing, seizing the day, not letting a good crisis go to waste, as they say. And as believers, it was also a great opportunity to obey the greatest commandment, right? And that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. For us to take the focus off of ourselves and focus on others in need because, well, it really is better to give than to receive, right? I think so. Um, It was an opportunity for that. Again, did you do that collectively as a church? Did they do that? It was a gift, a gift from God, a gift to grow strong, to grow closer to him, to live out our faith in front of others. For the sake of others. It was an opportunity, a gift to grow in wisdom and knowledge, to point our children back to Christ, 
to get them out from the influence of the public schools and the lies that they've been told. It was a chance to prepare for what is yet to come, the rough times that we're in. What a gift. It was an opportunity for our divided government leaders. Talk about such division. It was an, an occasion to stop the insane divisions and the disagreements and work together for the good of not just our nation, but of the world. Did they do that? <laughs> no. Look what's going on in the halls of our government. They've turned away from God even more. As Representative Jerry Nadler said, that the will of God is of no concern to the Congress in the halls of our government. They're ending prayers with such stupid, ludicrous things as amen and a woman. Really? Um, no. No turning to God by our government, that's for sure. Oh, we had a, a leader who tried in his imperfect way, previous administration. But, um, well, we all know where that got him, right? <laughs> Maligned and, and attacked and, and abused. But um, I'm not here to get political. But it was a gift, the coronavirus pandemic, a gift that so many just didn't open. It was also a chance to realize that God is our one true source of provision and security, not our government, not our economy, our stocks, our bank accounts. As we learn, they can disappear virtually overnight. No control. And most importantly, it was an opportunity for each individual to see the error of our ways. And not just as individuals, but as a nation and as a world. It was an opportunity for us to be on our knees and repent. It was a call for us to be on our knees and repent. Many did. Most did not. Again, further away from God. I, I remember hearing people talk oh so much about well people spent time on TikTok, social media. Um I heard so many people talk about them binging on Netflix. Binging on Netflix, really? Day after day after day binging on Netflix and the stuff that they were binging on, by the way, the the shows that they mentioned from what I've heard about them are filth. So we filled our minds with garbage and filth, with ungodly entertainment. That's how we spent our time. Many people spent their time. Let me put it that way. Um, and speaking of Netflix, you know, Netflix, <laughs> I used to subscribe to Netflix. But being reminded that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the earth and everything it contains is God's. Nothing is ours. It's lent to us for a time. We're supposed to be good stewards of it. So the money that we make is God's. And I thought, why am I spending God's money, God's money on something like Netflix each month? Something that puts out such perversion. One of the things that comes to mind is um, the gay or transgender Jesus, okay? Blasphemy, pure blasphemy Netflix is. But yet Christians every month, shell out God's money to support something as filthy and perverse as Netflix. Something you might want to think about if you're one of those people that does so. I can think of better places to put your money and much better things to ingest 
um, for you and your children. Garbage in, garbage out, right? We, we, that's just how it works. But these are the things people spent their time doing. God must just be so grieved with all of us in one way, shape, or form when we do these things, right? And, you know, I, I listened to radio shows, and I was listening to one where people were calling in, and they were upset about the schools being closed down to coronavirus, so they had some complaints. And I don't have young children anymore. I have grandchildren, so I watched what my one daughter, who has three children, three boys, went through when it came to schooling them, and it was not easy. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that it was easy. Um, I homeschooled my children. I know what it's like to homeschool. But this was not homeschooling. <laughs> it was still under the thumb of the public school system. So I know it was hard and it was stressful. Again, not everything comes easy. As a matter of fact, sometimes the, the best rewards and gifts, they come at great sacrifice. But anyway, these parents were upset. But what they were upset about blew my mind. First of all, they argued that the kids had been traumatized because they hadn't been able to be in school learning. And I'm thinking, okay, you're traumatized. They're traumatized because they have to be home as a family. Now, I know there's homes out there where the kids probably are safer in school, unfortunately. They are the exception, not the rule, okay? But most of these parents seem to be concerned over the socialization of their children. And they said it had been devastating for the children to not be able to be with their friends every day. And here's what really blew my mind, to learn how to, you know, share take turns, all those things, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. You need the schools to teach your children that? Wow. Hearing a lot of these parents was an eye-opener for me because in many instances, they have given their children over to the state. They have made them words of the state. And they've given them over to an institution that does not have their child's best interests at heart. An institution that is run by the government. And a government who um, right now is, in, is um, putting in leaders who are the antithesis of godly people. They're purposely putting in unregenerated, unrepentant, ungodly people who are engaging in um, alternative lifestyles, as they like to call it, everywhere. And people who are very much anti-American, anti-Christian, anti-God. As a matter of fact, one of the people I just heard on the, uh, a report today about it, not on the news, of course, but this person that's in charge of the Bureau of Land Management or something that Biden wants to appoint, um, they are, well, they, they have a poster that shows a picture of a beautiful little child on it, and it says, see if you can spot the environmental hazard in this picture, and of course, it's the child. Your children are environmental hazards now, parents. Hello? Hello? Wake up. Anybody home? The same state that tells the school what to do, the same state that funds the schools. And if the schools don't do what the state says, the schools lose their funding. And because the schools don't want to lose their funding, they're going to do what the state says. I don't care how nice your fellow teachers are, your, your principal, your superintendent. They are under the thumb of a government like ours that is crooked and perverse and ungodly. They don't care about your children. Um, this poster I'm talking about, they, they, they would like to, and by the way, Ted Turner called for this a long time ago, make it a law that you can have no more than two children. Sounds a little bit like China's. Well, I heard the farmers were selling out to China. I just heard a discussion on that this weekend. And now we've got this Chinese type law that they want to put in our Bureau of Land Management. 
or something. It's one of those kind of bureaus that has to do with land or agriculture or whatever. Don't quote me on Bureau of Land Management, but it's something like that. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But um, guys, I'm just saying, wake up. If your kids are in the public school, get them out if you can. And I know it's not possible for everyone to get them out. You might have to sacrifice to do it. Get them out. And if you can't, then please point them to Christ every second that you get when you're with them. Encourage them to be open about what they're learning and stick your nose in there and find out what they're learning. Because by the way, they're becoming more and more secretive about that. And thank God more and more teachers are becoming awakened to this and they are speaking out to the school boards. Um, Be there for your teachers if and when they do. Help them, stand behind them. Get involved. Don't just send your kids off and go on your merry way and then come home. When they come home, you're so focused in dinner and whatever else and sports and homework and this and that, that there's no time left to talk to your children about what they're learning because it's easier to instill than it is to undo what's been taught. Like my friend, Sarah Broyhill Anderson says, he who gets there first wins. And dang it, it's like that a lot. So please. And that's only one example of the harm. I mean, come on, your daughter has to share locker rooms and showers now with boys because they say they feel like they're a girl. Okay. Um, Let's not forget, you know, you can be more than that. He can feel like a girl one day and whatever the next and whatever the next. Oh, and back to a boy another day. Fluidity. Okay. Um, It's as ridiculous as that. I'm not trying to be mean. And public schools, I've been reading the statements, the the gender protection thing or whatever that the schools have, and they're deciding more and more school districts. Again, you can find this online. You can see their statements, their policies. Say you have a son. He's um, 13, 14 years old. He's a boy. He's a male, just the way God created him. He's struggling with his, his gender identity, okay? You don't know it, but he in school... He's telling everyone he is a girl. He identifies as a girl. That school can change his records to fit the pronoun that he wants. And they can decide whether or not to tell you based on whether or not they feel you will accept it. Okay? I am not kidding. This is how it is. And it's going to become more widespread. You can count on it, mom and dad. Protect your children. Satan's after them, and he uses the people that they're most under the influence of. That's the school system. That's the school system. I know of kids, and in high school, their teachers telling them there's more than two genders. And I said to the young man who knows better, I said, what did you say? He goes, well, what else can I say? He's the teacher. He knows everything. He's always right. Being sarcastic, of course, but these are how the kids are made to feel. Don't you ever question the teacher. Your kids need you, mom and dad. Church, the kids need you. They need you to not be in fear of the LGBTQ agenda, which is in this fought in the civil rights arena and is taking over. They need you. Instill in them the love of the differences between male and female and why God made them that way. Instill in them the reality of science. (laughs) That language doesn't change truth. No matter what words you put on it, or spin on it. It, The truth is the truth. God's truth is always solid. Your kids need you. You teach them how to share and take turns, not the school. And they don't need socialization, by the way, through the school. How socializing is that, being stuck in a room with the same kids day in and day out, learning the same things from only the kids that age? There's no 
no diversity in that. They're big on diversity. Well, the kids don't get very diverse socialization. My homeschooled kids did, by the way. And when they sometimes went to work with their dad, people were always amazed by how well-spoken our kids were and how well they were able to converse and carry themselves in various environments. Why? Because they had a well-rounded socialization being taught at home. They were with different age groups. They learned things from different age groups. They interacted with them. Please don't let the government or the schools condition you, mom and dad, into thinking that you're incapable of parenting or teaching your children without the help of the public school system. That is a lie. God appointed you first and foremost as your children's teacher. Okay. Some of the biggest complaints was that their kids couldn't play with their friends. Well, I know many people in other countries would give their right arm for that to be one of their main concerns. I'll say it again, healthy socialization of our children doesn't depend on going to school. You still have sleepovers, visits, phone calls, FaceTime. There are ways to stay in touch and to socialize even during the quarantine and, and the isolation. And I saw that go on between uh, school children and families and their families while the schools were closed. But I'm concerned that many parents got it wrong on this one as far as God's gift was concerned to them with having their children there at home with them day in and day out. Of course, if they're not godly parents, they're not going to direct their kids towards God during this time anyway. But God's hope was that the parents themselves would look toward God for guidance and wisdom and instruction and hope and truth. But I think a lot of parents missed a very, very special and important window of opportunity here. I do. Such opportunities to be the main influencers of their kids, to counter the indoctrination and the unbiblical worldview that their kids are being taught. We're beginning to be persecuted, believers. Beginnings are the persecution of those who don't agree with the leftist, humanistic, ungodly thinking of the world. And this persecution that's beginning, God promises, will increase and intensify and will cause many to fall away from faith in God. We are in those times. There's no getting around it. There's no denying it. And let's not forget, it's more normal for Christians to be persecuted than not. It's been going on around the world since the beginning of Christianity. <laughs> God's people being persecuted, right? We've had freedom here in the United States, but around the world, there's been persecution. Did we think that we were going to escape it forever, especially as, as the end draws near? But what a precious window of time through this pandemic God was giving us to strengthen, encourage, and empower ourselves and our children to live out the truth of God Almighty and prepare them for the persecution that God's promise will come. But instead, we complained. We complained that they had to be home. We complained that they weren't socializing and playing with their friends, that they couldn't play their sports. They complained that they had to teach their kids and someone else wasn't. Because what's at stake right now isn't socialization, reading, writing, and arithmetic. What's at stake now are your children's souls. Did you, mom or dad, miss out on that precious window of time? It's not too late. I want to encourage you in this. It's not too late. Your kids are still alive and breathing, right? Snatch them from the fire. Point them to Christ. Get yourself there first. If you're not there, you need to get there. Steward the gift of time with your children wisely, please. Please don't complain or look at it as a hardship. Look at it as a precious gift from God. I want to address this because um, 
people are wondering, okay, yeah, okay, such a gift, right? So many people were dying. So many people, they lost their loved ones to this horrible virus. They did. And my heart and prayers go out to them and yours should too. I can't imagine their pain. I can't. I don't want to ever have to go through what they've gone through. But the truth is this, our agendas and our priorities often tend to be different than God's. I believe that God's number one priority through this coronavirus crisis was for the salvation of precious souls. As 2 Peter 3.9 states, God does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. But (laughs) in our fallen nature, we have this pitiful habit of relegating God to the back seat when life is just easing along to our own satisfaction, right? For some, God's not even allowed in the car at all. But it's when we're in pain and we feel lost and we're desperate, we're in just desperate need. That's often when we begin to seek God. We stop looking around and we start looking up. God, who is our provider, our comforter, our source of life. Pain, heartache, despair, confusion, fear, uncertainty, loss. These are often the driving forces behind our desire to seek God. We don't often tend to seek him until then. For many of us, it may take death or the threat of death to cause us to seek the giver of life because God in his infinite, marvelous, wonderful way, he uses death to bring many to life, specifically eternal life. God having to send his son Jesus to die so that we might live, right? That's the perfect example. Only God can bring life through death. For so many, it wasn't a time to stay home, right? They, they had to go out amidst this virus and work. The essential workers, right? Law enforcement, healthcare workers, um, first responders, supermarket employees, Store employees and many others, they were called upon to actually work longer hours. And many were taken away from their families at that time. So we can't forget about this. But again, as I said, let's not put God into a box because he works outside the box. He's not relegated to one way. He does his work through those kinds of situations too. Because as my husband likes to say, God is a great multitasker, right? He can bring forth good from the very worst and tragic of situation because God knows the needs of each and every person. He can bring forth blessings in their situations as well. How? Through their trust in him. That's how. Thank you for these brave men and women that kept going with the threat of uh, catching um, a dangerous virus. I'm so grateful for them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're one of them from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And may God bless you for your sacrifice. I want to end this with a word of encouragement because we're not out of the woods yet with this pandemic by the sounds of it. Again, I'm not sure where the truth lies, unfortunately, other than in God's word, right? (laughs) There's two lanes in the road ahead that we can take. And one lane is concern, and the other lane is called worry. And through prayer, Bible reading, and time spent with God, I myself, I'm striving to stay in the concern lane. But, you know, there's times that the worry lane, well, seems more inviting. (laughs) And it's 
wouldn't be too hard to maybe sometimes go over into that worry lane because it, that worry lane, when you first glance at it, oh, it looks a little wider and easier and more comfy and, you know, something that I might want to hop onto and take. But when I look at it more closely, really examine that worry lane, I can see it. It's just thick with muck and mire. And once I thrust my foot in there in that worry lane, like quicksand, it's going to suck me down into its grasp and it's going to make it extremely difficult or impossible for me to escape its grasp. So don't get in the worry lane, my friend. Let's eagerly seek God's comfort, assurance, and peace in all of this. Let's endeavor to be concerned without fretting. Because in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we are commanded, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Don't forget about that thanksgiving. No matter what, let's thank God for who he is. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Again, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. God loves us. He loves you. And he wants you to trust him no matter what the circumstances. God's desire is for you to have peace. And just so you know, he made no exceptions for the situations in which you are to trust him. It's not an easy journey we're on right now, my friend, in this world. And it's going to get more difficult. He never promised us an easy time in this broken world. He promised us the opposite, right? He said we have to pick up our cross and follow him daily. We have to deny ourselves. We have to crucify our flesh. We have to value eternal life more than this life here on earth. We have to be willing to be mocked, ridiculed, scorned, and persecuted. But keep moving forward. Keep looking forward to the prize. What's at the end? An eternity in heaven with God. Imagine that. Complete peace. No coronavirus, no pandemic, no sickness, not even so much as the sniffles, not even so much as your stomach growling in hunger, not even so much as, as a worry or a care in your provision. I've had my share of struggles with what's been happening in this world. And again, the worry lane can seem more inviting at times, but that worry lane, my friend, is not the lane that God wants you to travel. Look, when things don't make sense and we see pain and suffering all around us and on the road ahead, as God's children, we are strengthened and encouraged in remembering that our loving, merciful, all-knowing, all-encompassing God of the Bible that loves us, he can make beauty from ashes, turn a mess into a message, and bring life through death. God is so good. Okay, so wrapping up this episode with a song of the week to kind of coincide with what I've shared with you. And that song is called Gifts from God. It's by Chris Tomlin. I'll have the link to it in the podcast episode description. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please take to heart what I've said. Um, any thoughts about this, what you heard, or anything you'd like to share about your experience, any prayer you need, check out Candles Together on Facebook. That's our free Facebook group here for One Little Candle Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at One Little Candle Podcast. And you can listen to 
One Little Candle on my website, www.onelittlecandlepodcast.com. I also want to mention I have a page on there with um, podcast guests. Any guests that I have had or in the future, of course, I will get, you know, add them in. I have their uh, bio in there and information where you can contact them. So check that out sometime as well. Be that one little candle this week. Be thankful in all circumstances. Trust God in all circumstances and make the most use of the time for, as the Bible says, for the days are evil. Let's make the most of the time that God gives us. Be a good steward with God's gifts, with your children, with your time and his money. Okay. Be a good steward. That's how I want you to be that one little candle this week. Be a good steward of those things, please. Time is short and it's precious. Use it wisely. You take care and God bless.